Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Hello, thanks so much for joining us today. While the pandemic's not over, we're definitely in a new phase of it. Two years ago, business travel ground to a halt, and we learned to communicate with each other without getting together in person. Now, travel in general is coming back, and business travel is as well. Now, maybe it'll never be as commonplace as it was pre-2020, but at this point, organizations do see the point of having people to get together in person, at least occasionally. Now, I speak to business audiences a lot as a keynote speaker. Over the past two years, I definitely learned how to present virtually. But now, in-person conferences are back to some extent. I'm getting on planes again, getting used to speaking in front of real audiences, and that's cool. You may have other reasons for traveling. Maybe in your organization, you're doing in-person meetings again, or your clients need to see you. Whatever the reason, a lot of people are getting on the road, and they need to relearn how to do that. Now, there's lots of sides to the issue of business travel, but I thought it would be interesting to talk about the time management aspect of it. Is it an effective way to spend your time? And how do you handle it to do it most effectively? I have a really insightful guest to talk about all of the issues around that. Her name is Elizabeth Saunders, and she's a time management coach and the founder of Real Life E-Time Coaching and Speaking. She's also the author of two books, How to Invest Your Time Like Money and Divine Time Management. She definitely had some interesting views on business travel and time management. We had a great discussion about it. Stay with us to hear it. Well, with business travel happening again, how can we best manage our time to put back in something perhaps we had taken off our calendars? Well, my guest today is Elizabeth Saunders. She's a time management coach, and she joins me now to talk about how we can think about putting this in after maybe not thinking about it for a while. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, this is an interesting topic. In fact, I'm about to do a business trip after really not doing much for two years. Uh, but before we even get to that, I'm interested in how you became a time management coach. Uh, yeah, what leads to that? Absolutely. So it started a long time ago. Um, so in 2005, I started my first business. And I was an accidental entrepreneur, so I did not intend to start a business. I kind of fell into it and I was delighted because it was working and I had lots of clients right off the bat. I was in magazine journalism, working for about 50 magazines around the country. Um, so it was wonderful, but it was also terrible because I felt guilty whenever I wasn't working, even if it was at night or on the weekends. And so after a few years of this, I said, enough is enough. I don't care if other people think I seem successful. If I can never relax without guilt, this is not success for me. Um, so I figured out how to not work at night and not work on the weekends. And then my entrepreneur friends are like, this is amazing. You have a successful business and yet you actually can take time off. And so they encouraged me to start helping others. And so in the beginning of 2009, so a little over 13 years ago, I started gradually building up the time management coaching part of my business. At the time, it didn't really exist. There weren't really people doing time management coaching. So I was developing a new niche and that's really what got me to do what I do today. And I absolutely love it. It's interesting. So do you work with individuals or with companies? Primarily individuals. So sometimes companies will come to me to have me work with certain individuals that need help, but um, it's primarily one-on-one. -on -one. I work work with people all over the world. So I've worked with people on every continent except Antarctica. And um, it's 
largely inbound because I write for Harvard Business Review and Fast Company and um, have a lot of things published. So people will read my articles or find me other ways and then come and say, I need help. Interesting. Okay, so let's talk about the pandemic. People were time crunched before. They were time crunched, I think, in a different way over the last two years. Have we gotten better or worse at managing time? I would say in general, worse. (laughs) Much worse. Um, So I found that I like I was concerned. So I've been a business owner for 17 years full time. And I was concerned that what happened to me in 2008, 2009 with my journalism business might happen in 2020 with all the crazy. So um, my business went down significantly in the journalism world at in 2008, 2009, I was completely wrong. People were more stressed out than ever and found it harder than ever to be productive because most people were not used to working remotely. No one was used to trying to work full-time while also having your kids there and trying to teach them things. And so it kind of became chaos. And I had my best year ever in business in 2020. Um, So I would say in general, people got worse. Um, That was due to a lot of different stressors, not having your normal social support, not, not having your normal routines. Like, oh, I go to the gym to do this class or I go to the office and this is there. Um, Also being around a whole bunch of people that are distracting at home, as well as as um, having kids at home. So it was much more difficult. I feel like as people are getting back into things, so in Michigan, it's been pretty much normal for a year, basically, in terms of everything being open and being able to do everything. So I feel like as people are getting back into things, their time management is returning. But the only issue is there's been a lot of burnout that's happened. So for example, my most recent article for Harvard Business Review is on how to start to form habits and be more healthy when you're truly exhausted. And so a lot of people, even though they can go back to the office, even hybrid now, or you know, they can go to the gym or their kids are in school. They're still kind of working through the residual effects of a somewhat traumatic couple of years where they were asked to do things that weren't normal, weren't within the realm of what we were ever used to before. And so I f- still feel like a lot of people are struggling through that. And how do you help them? Like, how do you get their mindset to change to yeah. you know, give themselves the time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So when I work with individuals, I work with them for either three or six months. And during that process, we start by doing a complete assessment of their schedule because some people have zero routines. It's just all over the place and other people are are pretty stable. Um, So we take a macro level view of what's going on where they have commitments, what they need to cut or um, change to move things around. And then from there, I do individual coaching calls with them with a three-month program, three times a month, six-month program every other week. And that's where we're diving deeper into what's going on. So for example, let's say it's an executive and they're, they feel like they never have time to get any work done during the day. We'll probably start out by saying, where can we cut meetings? What could be possible? What can you delegate? What can be shorter? What can be less frequent? And start to open up time for them to have space to work during their workday. And then we get moving into other parts of what they need to get done. Alternatively, let's say we have someone who's an entrepreneur working from home. Um, They don't have a lot of meetings in their schedule, but they're not making progress on their key projects that actually need to happen. With them, we'll start to say, okay, what boundaries are we going to start to define between work and home life. And then from there, start to talk through what are the key projects? How do you break them down? How do you structure it? How do you not procrastinate so that you can get yourself moving forward? So it's really customized to each person, what their situation is, breaking it down, and then having a lot of uh, 
enthusiastic accountability. So I'm never mean, but I will uh, ask them about what they said was a priority and follow up with them to make sure they're doing it. Okay, so over the last two years, they've had a lot of conflicting priorities, but most people haven't had to travel. And this year, I'm seeing this change so much. And even, you know, the last couple of months, people have been scheduling things. Let's go back two years ago. How much stress was caused by travel? Was this a major problem for people or, you know, was it something that they found useful Right. So I would say it was a mix. So obviously I would say my clients that are executives or in sales were doing the most travel. Um, so for some of them, it was causing stress. There was too much going on there. And so we would have to evaluate just how to pace themselves and think about which meetings were the most important to do in person and which weren't. And then also to think about the difference between their on the road routines and their when they're home routines and come up with different schedules for that. So I would say that it was causing um, some stress for some people. Many people, it wasn't that big a deal. It really depended on what the percentage was. And for people where it was, I would say 25% or less, wasn't like a huge amount of stress. So are you hearing from people who are going back, you know, to a lot of travel or is it kind of mixed right now? Um, so right now what I'm seeing is people are gradually ramping up. So I'm not seeing travel all the way up to where it was before, but you're completely right. Like in 2022, I've seen a big ramp up of people saying they're going on business trips. Many people are like, oh, it's my first conference in person in a couple of years or all of that. So definitely a ramp up is happening. People are exploring that, seeing what that looks like and just getting used to that being part of their schedule again. All right. So suppose you have all these priorities, you're looking at your schedule, you know, you're back maybe in the office or working from home and you're deciding how much to travel. What are the things you want to think about when you decide if it's worth it? Yeah. So the first one is really thinking about evaluating the benefit. And what is amazing about the past couple of years is you got a test run. Like you got to actually see what was the difference in how I interacted with my clients or colleagues when I was meeting them in person or traveling to on-site versus when I was doing this virtually. And so you have lots of data to show you both things. And so I think in terms of evaluating the benefit and evaluating whether you're going to travel, I would personally start. And what I recommend to my clients is with the areas where you felt like they did not work as well because you weren't meeting in person. And so what I've been hearing from my clients about that is definitely international colleagues where it's like, a big, like, for example, one of my clients during everything going on with COVID took over management of an overseas, basically, organization. So that particular kind of outpost of her organization, she took over management at a time when she couldn't actually physically be with them. That was incredibly difficult. And she really needed to start traveling there once a quarter as soon as she could to be able to overcome the language and cultural barrier and develop rapport and trust. So that's going to be something important. If you were noticing anything going awry with some of your customers um, or sales numbers being down because you weren't having that rapport, taking them out to dinner, you know, making sure everything was okay, absolutely prioritize that. And the same with conferences. Although they did a lot with remote conferences. It's not really the same as meeting people in person. So if you felt like you got less sales leads, less networking, prioritize that. Alternatively, let's say there was just some standard meetings with clients where it was just protocol that you went every month or every couple of months. You didn't really see a huge difference in terms of the outcome. I would not make those um, 
all in person again, I would maybe say, okay, perhaps every other month we go out to see them versus every month or some other cadence. So you're right-sizing that investment and really focusing on the highest value. Okay. So let's say we're going back to doing some of this. How do you make the time really effective? I mean, I'm thinking about this in terms of conferences myself. I speak at conferences. I've been doing a lot of virtual and virtual, you've spent all the prep time, but it's really just the time presenting. Yeah. You're going there in person. It's an investment of maybe one to two days, depending where it is. That's a big difference. How do you make that work for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're right. It's a huge difference. Um, so part of it is if you you can decide whether or not you want to make that work for you. Um, so if you're like, okay, I, I do want to be at conferences in person, or maybe you just decide I speak more at virtual events or whatever that looks like. Um, so if you are going in person though, what I would do and what I recommend to my clients is a few things. So one is you want to be very strategic about how you use your time throughout the entire trip. So that would be your daily and weekly planning where you're clear on what am I doing in the airport? What am I doing on the plane? What am I doing once I get there? I personally get tons of stuff done in all those contexts. I know it's a little bit harder on a plane, but I write articles. I get reports Mm -hmm. done. I do all those things. And so you can use the time very effectively. Um, So that's one thing. A second thing that I found is when you're at conferences, just being aware of where the highest value thing is. So a lot of times you don't have to go to every speaker, maybe choose a few of the workshops or speakers that you really emphasize, um, or maybe not going to every social event that's happening. Pick a few where you're like, this is where I'm most likely to meet the people that are important to me. And it's okay to have some parts of the conference or event where you're just doing work or you're doing personal things that are important to you and not feeling like, because I'm at this conference, I have to spend every single minute connecting with everyone here, doing everything, every activity that's present. Um, and then a third way to best utilize the time is if you enjoy travel personally, like just for yourself or perhaps with like your spouse or family bring them along or extend the trip. And so then it's not just, okay, I'm here and it's taking me away from my family and all those things, but I got to have a great experience with my husband or wife or with my kids, or maybe on my own, if you just need a break from all of them um, and just giving yourself permission to add a little time on. So those are some ways you can maximize the time, even as you are in person now. So we're kind of in a transition time right now. You're seeing a lot more conferences, a lot more meetings, but it seems to me the airlines and the airports aren't necessarily back to full speed. I mean, I went to look at a lounge pass for one airline and they're not selling them, right? So what are the practical considerations here? Right. Well, I would say practically you have to really double check everything. So just like you were saying, like the lounge wasn't selling a pass or certain services that might have been available might not be available now. Um, Places that used to be open might've shut down or been closed down. And so I feel like it's getting better and better as I've been traveling throughout this time. I feel like in airports, more and more restaurants are open and more and more facilities are available and there's less issues with getting rental cars. It was really bad during the microchip shortage last year. I literally know someone that arrived at the airport in Denver and there was not a single rental car in the whole facility. Like it wasn't just like, you can't have your favorite one. It was like, there's not one. Um, So it's definitely getting better. It's improving over that. But what I would say is you just need to plan that there probably will be things that go wrong. Um, There will be things that get delayed and that also you cannot assume what you were used to doing is still going to be available. Um, Again, I think 
Uber services in most places have gotten back up to speed, but for a while they weren't available as much, all those sorts of things. So I would, what I would do is check in advance that things are open. You know what the hours are, you know what the protocol is. If you're going speaking at a conference, ask the local people like what, transportation services are currently available. Is there anything I should know about things that have changed? If it's a very important meeting or conference, instead of just assuming you can fly in that morning, you might want to just fly in the day before. Usually good best practices anyway, but in particular with some of the different cancellations with airlines and other things going on, particularly good. Um, So you want to give yourself that margin. You want to have that patience. And then also just don't assume that you know how things work because a lot of things that you used a certain way might not anymore. Interesting. So, okay, more generally, we're going back to work or we're going back to some kind of normal. What else should people be thinking about right now when it comes to time management? Well, what I would say is you have a beautiful opportunity in many cases to choose what works best for you. Um, Prior to the last two years, most employers were not open to hybrid, definitely not, um, and not very open to remote work, like a fairly small percentage of the population was doing that. So you're in a position where you have the opportunity to choose. And I'm seeing some people who just want to go back to the office full-time. That's what's best for them. So if you can do that and you want to do that, go for it. Other people that want to stay fully remote and other people that want to be hybrid. So I would say generally figure out what works for you. If you have a family, what works with your family schedule um, and just ask for what you want. In most instances, people will give it to you at this point. Not always, but but most instances. So that's really critical. Um, Number two, I think as people are especially are going back to the office and as far as I know, all schools are open. I haven't heard of any still being closed. Really start to establish those boundaries again between work and professional life excuse me, work and personal life, not professional life. Those are all the same. Um, So establish those boundaries because it got all mushed together when you were helping your kids with schoolwork during the day and then you were working at night and there was like no sense of boundaries. So I would start to establish the ritual again of when I leave the office, like I'm off my computer, I'm not available for messages and just reintegrate into that sense of it's okay for me to start and stop work and to work at a certain time. Um, So those would probably be my two biggest tips. But overall, I feel like things have been getting a lot easier and a lot better for people as they've been able to get out, be active, be at the office, um, do activities they enjoy, their kids enjoy. Um, So overall, it's been a a really positive change. It just is an adjustment after things being much more muted for a while. Elizabeth, thank you so much. If people want to know more, where can they find you? Absolutely. So my website is reallifee.com, which is R-E-A-L. L-I-F-E, and then another E.com. Thank you so much. Elizabeth Saunders is a time management coach, and she's the author of two books, How to Invest Your Time Like Money and Divine Time Management. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to learn more about Elizabeth and her work, please take a look at our show notes. You'll find some links there. If you'd like to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at at Relentless Eco. Now, if you did like this conversation about work and the future of work, please take a moment and leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. That will help people to find us and that will really help us continue these discussions. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at theworkinthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.